Hey, welcome to our spiritual gifts class through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session seven on the manifestation gifts, and this is part three. And you'll remember from the last couple of weeks, we first kind of framed up our conversation on spiritual gifts and talking about some of the prerequisites, and then we talked about ministry gifts. Now we've had a three-part conversation on the manifestation gifts, which come right out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to remind you that there are three categories of gifts, just as we jump into this again, is that we discuss ministry gifts from Ephesians 4. There's five of those gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And then the manifestation gifts, there's nine of those, the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there are also motivational gifts. And there's seven of those gifts. We're going to talk about those in the next two sessions, but not today. We want to finish up our 1 Corinthians 12 study on the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this would be a great time to discuss some of the gifts that I think have, have been confusing to a lot of people. We're going to talk about discerning of spirits, speaking with tongues, or other languages, and the interpretation of tongues. Let me go ahead and read the passage that we've been focusing on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 11. It says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing or discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all things, all these things, distributing each one individually just as he wills. Now I think it's important that we just briefly look at context once again. The Apostle Paul is writing this to the church at Corinth, most likely in response to a letter that he's received from them. Some say that there's been a little bit of dialogue back and forth, but we know that they wrote him a letter and he's heard about several things that have been going on at the church of Cor in Corinth as well, and he's addressing those primarily in a remedial primarily in a remedial way, a correctional way. A lot of negative things that he brings up he's trying to address. And we see a lot of that. Even when we look at or approach the topic of spiritual gifts, we see that Paul is discussing it with them from kind of, in a sense, a negative perspective, like what not to do before what to do. And that's really important to pick that up because he needs to kind of clear a path before he can build new understanding for them to walk out. Uh, as he's talking with them, but he's, he's talking to them about issues like sexual immorality, the abuse of spiritual gifts, division pride, and so on. As he addresses that, he spends several chapters on just the issue of spiritual gifts, because while they definitely are functioning in spiritual gifts, they're not doing it in a way that's appropriate, that's filled with love, that's definitely releasing the kind of spirituality that we see in Jesus. Jesus is always our marker for what spiritual gifts and the spiritual life looks like. The Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life always looks like Jesus Christ. He's our example. He's our model. That's where we take all of our cues from. And so Paul, just obviously as an apostle, as a father in the faith to these, uh, these people, a church that he started, 
feels the need to speak to them openly and honestly about how it is that they need to walk out their life in Christ. And so he's doing that. And we remember some of the principles that I've talked to you about, just briefly going over those. The four main principles that we've been working with from 1 Corinthians 12 is, number one, the manifestation gifts are an expression of the Holy Spirit. And by way of review, what I mean by that is they're not our possession, they're his expression. That's why he says the manifestations of the Spirit are given for the common good. They're not your possession. They're not your gifting being manifested. They're His gifts being manifested. We don't possess them. We don't own them. Uh, they're gifts that He brings in moments that they are needed. So these are very much situational gifts that we are trained in in order to exercise in the moments that we find ourselves in, whether in church or in the world or wherever we are. They're expressions of the Holy Spirit. So we want to learn how to abide in Him. We want to learn how to hear from Him and then exercise whatever He gives us so that the needs that are in front of us can be addressed by the Holy Spirit. Number two, the manifestation gifts benefit the whole church. And so, in other words, we need the gifts. We want the gifts. We desire the gifts. We pursue the gifts. The, the, these are benefit, they benefit the whole church, and so therefore we, the whole church should want them. Principle number three is the manifestation gifts address the needs of the whole church. So we want them and we also need them. There are many needs as we gather together as the people of God and the Holy Spirit brings the answer to a lot of those needs through the gifts that he gives. And we just want to remember that because a lot of people in churches, they feel like these are options rather than um, opportunities. They feel like they're negotiable rather than necessary. And we want to make sure that we steer away from any kind of theology or even practice that says these are optional, these are negotiable, these are not necessary. No, we believe they're necessary. They address the needs of the church. And a lot of times here we come to gatherings or we're meeting with people, believers, and we just give people whatever we have out of our back pocket. And the Lord has given us so much more from the Holy Spirit that we can minister with. And we want to remember that the gifts of the Spirit address the needs of the church. Our final principle, number four, is manifestation gifts are available to the whole church. And this means that Sometimes in the past, people will say, well, I have the gift of faith, or I have the gift of miracles, I have the gift of healing. No, you don't. You have the Holy Spirit, and these are His gifts, and you learn each of these gifts. You learn how to minister in all of these gifts according to the needs that are in front of you. Ministry gifts are different. Some of us have ministry gifts. So everybody has a leaning toward one or another. Motivational gifts, as you'll hear, everybody has a gift or multiple gifts. That's a gift mix. It means you might have a primary leaning or gifting in one or two areas. Everybody has a motivational gift. Some of us have ministry gifts. All of us have a leaning in a ministry gift. But we all, every believer, has the is available uh, to the manifestation gifts. All nine gifts. You can minister in all nine gifts. It's not saying you have them all. It's that you have the Holy Spirit and He can minister through you all of these gifts. So we want to train and learn all of these different gifts, what they are, how they work. You might be uh, more skilled or more understanding of one gift, like whether it's prophecy or word of knowledge, because maybe you were in a church or you were under a ministry where that's what they taught and that's what they used. And so you might be more proficient at that, but that's just because of training. It's not because it's what you carry. So it's very vital and important that we have that understanding because what we believe unlocks how we live. So practice follows belief. And if your belief is that the Holy Spirit will use all of these gifts in your life, they're available to all the church, to all those that are, that are following Christ, then your mind isn't a hindrance to you being used by God in the moments that you find yourself in. So it's very key that this principle is something that we believe. So these principles get us to a place where we obviously 
um, can exercise the gifts, but we want to look at these three gifts today, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So we want to start with the discerning of spirits. Let me give you a definition of the gift of distinguishing or discerning of spirits, and that definition is this. The gift of discerning of spirits is the supernatural ability to recognize the life source behind something or someone. I want to say that again. The gift of discerning of spirits is the supernatural ability to recognize the life source behind something or someone. This gift is supernatural insight in the spiritual realm. And we know that there's a physical realm and a, and a spiritual realm. And the gift of discerning of spirits allows us to sense what is going on beyond what we can see. That's what this is all about. Now, in the first century, you can understand that they had this gift um, necessary. I mean, it's necessary today, but they didn't have the New Testament the way that we do, the, the Bible and the 66 books. They didn't have that. And so they were just learning the Apostles' Doctrine, the eyewitnesses of Jesus who were giving, really teaching the Gospels. They were sharing from word of mouth. They were teaching that. These things were being written. So it's vital that we understand that the, the gift of discerning of spirits often was for false teaching, false prophets, false words. They really needed that when a prophet traveled from one city to another and they started prophesying, they wanted to know how to weigh these kinds of words. And the discerning of spirits would come to discern the life source behind the prophet or the prophetic word or the teaching or the teacher. Very important that that's sort of the beginning of how that gift was used. But we know that the discerning of spirits gift does more than just weighing words or teaching. It actually enables us to see into the realm of the spirit. And that is what we see in scripture. But I want to say something up front to you. I want to let you know that the gift of discerning of spirits is not the gift of discernment. In fact, there is no gift of discernment in the Bible. You find this on the spiritual gifts test, and you find this a lot of times in spiritual gifts books, that people believe that there's a gift of discernment. There really is no gift of quote-unquote discernment. That is comes from this passage. There's no other place in scripture where you see a gift of discernment. So people think again, because they think there are possessions and not his expressions, we think that, oh, I have the gift of discernment because I'm very discerning. Sometimes the most gullible people think that about themselves, which is problematic. But uh, what you find is that there isn't really a gift of discernment. There's a gift of discerning of spirits. So I always ask somebody when they say, I have the gift of discernment. I say, what do you mean by that? What is that gift? in your definition. And it's usually quite a bit different from what we're reading about here. And so you just have no place in the Bible where there's this general gift of discernment. There is a gift of discerning of spirits. And I would also say the gift of discerning of spirits is not the ability to see the faults of others. That is not a gift. In fact, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. You're not a gifted person because you see what's wrong with everybody and everything. Usually that's something wrong with our personality and we want to be careful because Jesus certainly could have walked around and said what was wrong with everybody and people try to highlight that, that there are times where he had to clear the path, there are times where he had to address sin, there are times where he had to address corruption, but Jesus came and preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was proclaiming what is coming, not just talking about what he was seeing. He did do that, but it wasn't his ministry and so we got to be very careful that we don't somehow think the gift of discernment is this like this um, gift that some of us have to be watchdogs and make sure everybody does everything perfectly, i.e. the way that we think it needs to be done. That's not what the discerning of spirits is. The discerning of spirits is spiritual, specific, and supernatural. 
It's spiritual, specific, and supernatural. It's released in a moment where that gift is needed to, to understand the life source behind something or someone. And so you'll have that happen in a church setting. You'll have that happen in the grocery store. You'll have that happen at a family gathering. It can happen in a moment, but it has a purpose attached to it. And it's very important um, that we understand that. Now, can you grow in discernment, the ability to distinguish good from bad, right from wrong? Of course. How do you grow in discernment? You grow in discernment by the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. But that's not necessarily the same thing as the gift of discerning of spirits. So we want to distinguish these two gifts or these two abilities. One is an ability that over a period of time you become more discerning based on your knowledge of God's Word and your walking with the Holy Spirit. You become more knowledgeable of, about the Word and the ways of God. That's just discernment. That's growing in discernment. Discerning of spirits is supernatural. You don't have to know the Bible extremely well, and you don't have to be somebody that is um, very experienced in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It can just happen. The Holy Spirit can just give it because there's something necessary that you need to see, and we need to just realize uh, that. And so there are three dis different sources when it comes to discernment that we want to discern. And the first is the Holy Spirit, the second is a demonic spirit, and the third is a human soul. These are the life sources behind whatever it is that we're discerning. A human, spirit, or human soul, the Holy Spirit, or a demonic spirit. One time, by way of example, I was involved in prison ministry for a couple years in the beginning of my Christian life, and I was going to these large prisons. In fact, it's where I started my ministry, you know, not career, but where I started ministry in general. Uh, and I was going with all of these different guys. They were from different denominations, different backgrounds, different theological perspectives, but we all had Orthodox Christianity down. We all believed in the Bible. We all believed in the Trinity. We all believed in Jesus, His death, burial, resurrection. And you actually had to sign something to that effect that you had an Orthodox Christian perspective in order to be a part of this Christian ministry. And so we were going into prisons together, and we would usually go do two services. We would leave the prison. We would go to lunch. Then we'd go back and do two services. And that day, that this one day that I went, there were some new guys that had come and they were now newly part of the ministry that, that we were all connected to. They had signed those documents and all that. And I was sitting down having lunch with these guys. They were great guys, very knowledgeable about the Word. And they're talking to me about the Word. And I was a young guy at the time. So as they're talking to me, they're kind of assuming a place of authority when it comes to like teaching. And so they're just sharing with me the, their understanding of the Word. And I was kind of eating it up because I was real hungry for the Bible and the things of God. And so as that's happening, the more they talked the worse I felt. I felt like something was wrong. I didn't know what, I, they didn't say anything wrong, but there was just something in my spirit that was troubling. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like your spirit is troubled? That's one of the ways I would describe the way that the discerning of spirits can work. When it comes to you sensing something wrong, that's not the only, that's not the only purpose of the gift, but that's one aspect of the gift. You also want to sense things that are right. But when you sense something is wrong, your spirit is troubled. My spirit was troubled and so, I had to use the restroom, so I got up from the table, I used the restroom. On my way back from using the restroom, I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the midst of me being troubled. He said, these two gentlemen, they do not believe that Jesus is God. And I remember, th they didn't say anything to that effect, but it was just a supernatural word from the Holy Spirit. I heard it as clear as day. 
And I remember sitting down and it was just a very bad lunch at that point because now I'm sitting there with this word. I'm wondering what's up with these guys. I don't know how to say anything about this. And so the, my mentor at the time was the prison ministry director. So after we were, you know, we finished the day out and we're on our way home, we dropped these guys off and we're in the car driving. And I said to the guy that was running the ministry, I told him, you know, I have this discernment that's telling me that these guys do not believe in the Trinity and they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. And he basically looked at me and said, there's no way that that's true. They had to sign a document, kind of a covenant statement that said that they agreed in Orthodox Christianity. That was one of the tenets of faith. So he basically said to me that I couldn't be right. He wanted to know how I knew that. And I told him I had this discernment. My, my spirit was troubled. Um, I heard the Holy Spirit. And he did believe in those kinds of things, but not to the degree that I was explaining. And I was a young man and definitely could be wrong. And I said, hey, I would like to be wrong. And I didn't ask them if this was true, but would you mind asking them just to test whether or not this discernment and this supernatural word is right? Because it's totally supernatural. I have no evidence that this is truth. They didn't say anything. Would you please do that? And he said, I guess I will. You know, he kind of didn't want to, but he said he would because, again, there's no evidence. And I understand that. Now, a couple months went by, and we were getting ready to go back to the same prison with these guys. We had gone to other ones, but we do this every two months or whatever it was. And so I asked my mentor, did you talk to these guys? And he said, no. And I said, well, the time's coming up for us all to go to this prison again together, and these guys are going to teach. And I think it's important that we know this. And so he said, okay, well, I'll talk to him. So apparently one week before we went to the prisons, he went out to lunch with these guys. And he said he, what, he told me in recalling the story, he wasn't going to ask them. But he ends up asking them the question because they made some kind of statement. Do you guys believe that Jesus Christ is God? Do you believe in the Trinity? And they said no. And so it just blew him away that we could have that kind of discernment prior to even having any dialogue with them about this issue. But see, the discerning of spirits will give you a troubled spirit at times in order to detect something that is going on that either is false or the Holy Spirit will enable you or give you insight into something supernatural that the Holy Spirit is doing or the angelic is doing. And you'll see that that is the case. But this is something that is vital that we want to see more and more of. It is so important. There are a lot of scripture references that we could bring up. Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 16. This is where Paul has an encounter with a demonized slave girl. Here's what it says in verse 16. It happened that as we were going from place to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. I mean, what she said there was right. Verse 18, she continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. So here's the scenario. Luke and Paul and maybe a few other companions, they're traveling around, they're in this city, and there's a slave girl who has a spirit of divination that has possessed her and is oppressing her. And this slave girl is traveling behind these guys and saying the truth. These are servants of the Most High God, and they're teaching the way of salvation. What she said was true, but really she's saying that as a, in her divination in order to prove that her gift is also true. And so Paul after hearing this for a number of days, he turns around. He's discerning that this 
spirit, even though saying right things, that this spirit is demonic because although we're reading that it's demonic, they had to determine that it was demonic because clearly this girl is saying things that are true, which helps us understand that there are times where people will say things that are true, but it doesn't mean that it's the Holy Spirit. Just because somebody has accurate information does not necessarily mean that it is revelation. And whenever I teach classes on the prophetic and I talk about psychics versus prophets, psychics can only operate by a demon spirit, that's information through a network of the demonic. Prophets can function by revelation through the Holy Spirit because God alone knows the future. Other spirits prognosticate, they guess, but prophets, they don't guess, they prophesy that which is to come. And so we see this is happening in Acts chapter 16. The gift of discerning of spirits could tell that the slave girl had a spirit of divination, which is why we can read it so clearly from Scripture. There are many, many other passages. You have John chapter 20, verse 1 through 12, and Luke 22, 43, which reveals an, an, their angelic encounters. And there is discernment there to know that these were angels. Um, you have other places in the Bible like Acts chapter 8 verse 18 where we see um, another encounter where the gift of discerning of spirits was used. Now we want to look at the function of the discerning of spirits and there's several things that the gift of discerning of spirits can be used for and the first is it helps us to avoid deception. That's the purpose, one of the purposes of the gift of discerning of spirits. The thing about deception is that it's really deceiving. Now that's kind of a dumb joke. But anyways, nobody ever wakes up in the morning to attend the first church of the deceived. All right, Nobody knows they're being deceived when they're being deceived because it's trickery, it's falsehood. You're being led into to a place that you think is true for the, for the first part of it until it's too late and you're fully deceived. And so the gift of discerning of spirits, like I've shared with you about my story, it helps us to understand what's behind what's being said and therefore we can avoid the deception that is trying to take root in our life. The devil is a liar and his strategy is to breathe lies into our lives so that we believe them and we fall astray or we walk in a different way that, than God has intended um, for us to walk. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into all truth according to Scripture. So discernment is our first defense when the enemy comes to deceive and we can pick him off right away and whatever it is that he's trying to do. And there are times in the Bible where we see God's people were deceived because they lacked discernment. Times like Adam and Eve in Acts, or in Genesis chapter 3. You know, the serpent comes to them and starts to question what God said. Did God really say? God told them not to eat from this tree. The serpent comes and tries to deceive them and make them think that they're missing out or that they're somehow God is withholding from them or God didn't really mean it that way. And really, the, the discernment was needed right then and right there to say, no, you're a liar, you're lying, and I'm not going to listen to you. And that, that's what helps us today, the gift of discerning of spirits. I can tell that what you're saying is a lie and you're trying to bring deception. I'm not going to listen to you. You have all kinds of other examples. Um, there was one in 1 Kings 13. You see Joshua and the Gibeonites in Joshua chapter 9 where Joshua believed a lie because the Gibeonites had come to lie to Joshua so they were not um, killed off or displaced. And uh, in the gift of discerning of spirits, you know, that would have been a great opportunity uh, to use that. In Matthew 24, 
chapter 24, verse 4, it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. So we know that as the end of the age draws near, that there will be this great deception that will happen, even if the elect could be deceived. And Jesus says, See to it that no one misleads you. So there really is an attempt of the enemy to mislead people and cause them to walk um, astray or away. He says in verse 11, Matthew 24, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. And the gift of discerning of spirits will help us to avoid that kind of deception and not be misled. Jesus warns them that this is going to continue more and more and more. I remember in our church there was some teaching that came through basically about divorce, that if anybody gets divorced from their spouse, no matter the reason that they're breaking a covenant, you know, let, let no man... Uh, separate what God has joined together. And if anybody gets divorced and remarries, they're committing this, the sin of adultery is perpetuating, it's the perpetual sin of adultery, and therefore you're in a state of apostasy and you will not inherit the kingdom of God because you're not repentant. Repentant would mean that you don't remarry or you divorce from your remarriage and seek to live with your original spouse or live celibate and single, if that be the case. But that remarriage would constitute the, the blasphemy of, of the Holy Spirit, perpetual adultery without repentance. And there were people that were teaching this, and I remember hearing it going, that's absolutely wrong. That's absolutely not of God. Now, God doesn't God, does, God hates divorce, but he doesn't hate divorced people. And there are reasons why people get divorced. But for us to just say that you, if you were to get divorced and you were to remarry, regardless, that that somehow is perpetuating the sin of adultery and you're living in perpetual rebellion against God and you're going to be in an eternal separate state and not be with God even though you've been re redeemed and restored through the blood of Jesus. That is absolutely crazy. And uh, there, are, I could go through that doctrine, but I remember when it came through our church and I had to confront people. People left, you know, the circles that they were involved with because they thought that we were teaching heresy. Well, they were the ones that were teaching heresy. And there was the gift of discerning of spirits that caused me to see through all of this. And God would enable us to see what we needed to see because deception is, is knocking at the door in our times, just like it was back in the first century. The second function of the gift of discerning of spirits is to help us identify the work of the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12, this is what it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and powers and world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The devil has schemes, blueprints, and plans in order to deceive us. He has a strategy. He has a work. And the gift of discerning of spirits will help us to identify that strategy so that we can again deflect or move away from whatever it is that the enemy is trying to do. Not just for ourselves personally, but that we're also helping other people to see the work of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, so that they can move towards the truth and be liberated in what Jesus has done for them. We can take authority over the battle that we see. Often, if you don't know the battle that you're facing, you can't take authority over it. Usually, in the book that I was reading from Watchman Nee, I forget which one, but he said that our first step in deliverance is always awareness. You have awareness before you have deliverance. And the reason is once you know the battle that you're facing, you can properly take authority over what you're facing so that you can go into God's future liberated and free. This is what God's called us, called us to. And so we see that 
the gift of discerning of spirits helps us to identify the work of the enemy. The gift also helps us to identify what God is doing. And this is very vital. It's very important. I often, there will be times where I'm ministering in a service and the Holy Spirit will indicate to me what he's doing in the environment. Not just in one person's life, but I'm bringing about repentance or I'm bringing about, um, you know, a wave of peace into this place or, you know, some kind of supernatural faith is being released to pray for sick, the sick. There's a passage, I think it's in Luke chapter 4, where it says, as Jesus gathered with people in a house, the, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Somebody could see that, sense that, they knew that, and it's vital, it's important that sometimes we're able to discern that on a macro level, but also on a micro level. Macro being like in a gathering and micro with somebody at coffee or maybe just one-on-one. -on -one. So we can identify what God is doing and how he is working in someone's life. And we can speak to that as we have the discernment and insight for it. And the fourth thing that this, the function of the discerning of spirits is to help us help others see clearly. Obviously, we first identify what God is doing, but then we want to help them see clearly. That is the purpose of it, the function of it, of course. And finally, it helps us to know what to pray for. Now, there are times where we, as we step into a place of contending, whether that's up, you know, opposing the conflict that's in front of us, or it's just pushing into our future in God, the discerning of spirits will help us to see that future and what God is calling us towards because we know what he's doing. What are you doing, Lord? What is the life source? What is, what is the Holy Spirit in, in leading us toward? And, and how can I see what you're saying? How can I see what you're a part of? It's not just prophetic, but it's having discernment about what the Lord is, is moving us toward. And as we see that, we can pray into it, of course. This is what we want to do and uh, even lead the culture of those that we're a part of to do as well. We want to move towards what God is moving us towards. and We want to move away from what the enemy is trying to do. That really is the function and purpose of the gift of discerning of spirits. Now we want to move into our conversation about tongues and interpretation and I'm going to couple that conversation together rather than distinguish them because really to have the gift of tongues is also to have the need for the gift of interpretation. That's why they're together there. And so the definition of, of the gift of tongues is this, the gift of different kinds of tongues or languages is the supernatural ability to speak or pray in a language not known by the speaker. So God supernaturally gives us the ability to speak or pray into a language, whether it be a, spirit, a language of the spirit or it be a language of the earth. There's 6,500 or 7,000 languages um, that are known languages in the earth. Uh, either way, it's the supernatural ability to do that. Now, the definition of interpretation is this. The gift of interpretation of tongues or languages is the supernatural ability to understand and communicate in a known language the meaning of the unknown language or the gift of tongues. So that's sort of the companion gift, and they work uh, together. The gift of tongues and interpretation are probably the most controversial uh, because there's really this unknown reality to it. Not only is it supernatural like the other gifts, but it really carries kind of a vulnerability to it because of that unknown realm that you can speak in an unknown tongue and still not have an interpretation. You can pray in a prayer language and not have the interpretation. You just have to believe that either the interpretation is going to come or obviously you're trusting that God knows what you're saying and it's not just babble. And so there really is an element of childlike faith to it that's a little bit even above and beyond just believing, which all, all gifts are accessed and functioned by faith. But this gift in particular, I think it carries with it also the need for us to have childlike faith, even if we don't understand. We may never see the result of this gift um, in, 
at the end of the day. And so it's important for us to kind of realize that. Now, there's some references to the gift of tongues in the Bible, but I think it, there's a need for us to understand that there are different kinds of tongues. There are different purposes for these different kind of tongues. So there's not just the gift of tongues, just like we talked about with other gifts. There's not just the gift of tongues like faith. There's not just the gift of faith, but there's saving faith or greater faith or uh, general the faith. I talked to you about the different kinds of faith or references in the Bible. The same is true for this gift called tongues or languages. It's not always the same reference means the gift of tongues or interpretation. So we want to break that down. The first kind of tongues is tongues as evidence of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now this we find in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, verse 1, uh, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, filled the whole house they were, where they were sitting, and appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. These believers were baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Aside. There were there were 13 different dialects that are mentioned there, and so 120 believers uh, spoke in 13 different languages, and they were heard clearly in the mother tongue of those that were listening. And this is what happens. And Peter gets up and explains that this is what was happening. That in the last days, verse uh, 17, Acts chapter 2, in the last days, God says, "I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind." Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And even my bond slaves, both men and women, I will grant in those days they will pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. He goes on to explain some other things that are happening. But the purpose here is he's saying, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And this was very prophetic in that tongues was released as evidence of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that what was divided and separated, even in Genesis chapter 11, as the languages were dispersed and people couldn't communicate, you see here in the day of Pentecost, where God now is causing supernaturally people to speak and understand one another. It was a sign. I believe it was a sign to the unbeliever. This kind of tongue was, was basically saying that this, the Holy Spirit has come being poured out on all people, not just Jews, but Jews and Gentiles. It was a prophetic declaration of what God was doing in bringing all people together. And we see many, many instances where people were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, like Acts 4, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, and Acts 19. There's like eight occurrences where people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Six out of eight of those times, people spoke in tongues and prophesied. And so this was evidence that they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in those days, even in later days, and through the Pentecostal renewal in the early, late 1800s, early 1900s, what we see is people have believed that tongues was the evidence, or if not an evidence, a very serious and important evidence of people being baptized with the Holy Spirit, because we see it happen time and time and time and time again. And so if you don't believe that it is the evidence, you have to believe that it is an evidence and a very serious, the prominent evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is not necessarily the same as receiving the gift of tongues. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation for when the body gathers, not necessarily the evidence of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So they are different and can be different. It's important to know that. Now, the second uh, reference that we see to, to tongues, not the gift of tongues, but tongues, is tongues as a prayer language. So first, tongues as evidence of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. 
tongues as a prayer language. And this is where we distinguish um, the gift of tongues mentioned from the languages that we receive. Paul mentions that there is a language of the Spirit. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak in the tongue of men and of angels. And then he goes on to say, if I have not love, I'm nothing. But he opens up an understanding for us there that he had. Tongue of men, these are known languages, and angels, these are spiritual languages. So sometimes you'll hear people say, I'm praying in the Spirit. They're talking about angelic tongues. They're talking about a language of the Spirit that is not known on the earth. And God gives that to us, and that's usually what comes as a result of people being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's made available to them that we can pray in a prayer language. We see that there's a need uh, for this and, and it actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 through 5, Paul gives credence to this by saying that if somebody doesn't have an interpretation when they're praying in a, in a prayer language or they're praying or they're speaking out loud, they don't have an interpretation that they need not to speak out to other people because that language is more of a prayer or praise language. And this is, this is what it says in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 14, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, okay, this is vertical, no, horizontal, they speak to God. For no one understands, but his spirit is speaking mysteries. And John Wimber used to say that what that means is there's, there's a revelation, a transaction of revelation that is happening beyond our, our known reasoning. And I believe that happens. Verse 3, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation, but one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church might receive edifying. And Paul here allows for this dual purpose of tongues, one as a prayer language to God, prayer and praise, and then another one through interpretation, it can become prophetic and an edification. So this is personal praise and prayer and prophetic proclamation when there's interpretation. He allows for both. And so we want to understand that, that unless there's interpretation, it is personal praise and prayer. That's what this functions as. It doesn't become the gift of tongues until it is accompanied by what we consider an interpretation for people to edify them. So he brings an understanding of that to help us uh, further. And so we also see that Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 14 to talk about how unfruitful it can be if somebody speaks in tongues to men without an interpretation. In fact, he even goes as far as saying, if you do that, he's not saying if people hear you, but he's saying if you're speaking to men, let, let's say you're in a microphone, they didn't have them back then, but we do, you're speaking in a microphone, or if I were just to talk in tongues to you through this video, you would think I was crazy, it's very unfruitful, people will, will think that I'm nuts and nobody will be edified or strengthened as a result of it. That's absolutely the case. But it doesn't mean that we should be afraid that people hear us praying in tongues. I think that would be equally bad. That, that all of a sudden the only time people ever hear pray, anybody praying in tongues is when there's an interpretation. I, I don't think that Paul's saying this so that we would be afraid to, to never pray or pr 
or praise in a prayer language. He's saying it so that we need to be clear that there's a distinguishing and there's an understanding in church that when somebody is speaking to men and they're speaking in a tongue or in an unknown language that we need to wait on and pray for an interpretation. That nobody should just be yelling in tongues, speaking into the microphone in such a way where people are watching, listening, observing, and there's no interpretation. That would be chaotic. That would be, that. I mean, it's hopeful at best that people are okay with that. But what he's saying is, is that certainly if you're praising God or you're out here and you're worshiping God and you're praying and all that, we shouldn't be scared that the people next to us are hearing that. I mean, if, if there's any indication that they maybe would be offended, of course, we would take the road of love on that. But I don't think anybody should be afraid. When I was a kid, I could hear my dad praying in tongues and that was a beautiful thing. And it, it made me ask questions. Well, what is that? So if people never hear it, they're never going to ask questions. That would be fear. We're not afraid that people hear us. We just want to make sure there's a difference between vertical and horizontal. And that's what Paul is bringing because they were definitely not doing that. They were benefiting themselves and they weren't thinking about the church. And he's trying to help them understand the greatest part of the gift is to bring benefit to the church. Of course, we agree with that. The other kind of tongues is obviously the gift of different kinds of tongues and interpretation. That's what we're discussing. And uh, this, this is not the tongues mentioned as baptism with the Holy Spirit, and it's not necessarily prayer language, but this is where we're given a specific word in a church setting or in any setting. Usually it's going to be when we gather together, obviously, because if it's an unbeliever or non-gifted person, it wouldn't, they wouldn't be interested. But it can be a missionary setting, like if you were in another country and God were to give you another language, and it could be kind of a missionary tongue, or it could be a prophetic um, a prophetic declaration where you speak in an unknown language and then somebody, usually you or somebody else will interpret. But whenever you choose to do that, we have to wait on God for an interpretation. Usually God will bring it like the gift of prophecy. He'll speak about something that is or is to come. Typically that's what I have found this to be. And there are diverse kinds of languages. It might sound um, like, an Asi like an Asian language. It might sound like a Slavic language. It might sound like an African language. It might sound like a Hispanic language. It can sound like anything. God gives diverse kinds of tongues. Like I said, there's 7,000 languages that are known on the earth. And there are also spiritual languages. So there's so much diversity when it comes to this issue. God will give something. It'll sound like whatever it sounds, but the purpose is to receive the interpretation for the people that are a part of the gathering that you're in. This is the gift of different kinds of tongues and interpretation. The different kinds of tongues is the communication and the uh, interpretation is the understanding of that communication. Now, just real quickly, the function of this gift is to strengthen, to encourage, to comfort, to confirm, and to reveal. Those are the five things that we see scripturally that this will do because we want to couple this with very much a prophetic gift. That tongues usually is a revelation. It's not just, um, it's not just like a, a kind of a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. And so it brings with it a revelation. So we see it strengthens the body. It encourages or exhorts the body, comforts, confirms, or reveals something. We believe that very much in line with what we've talked about with uh, prophecy. But here's the deal. The truth is, is we don't see a lot of people speaking in tongues with interpretation anymore. Usually what we see is people get baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, or we see people pray in a prayer language. Those are the two things that we typically see. And a lot of the reason is, is because church has changed considerably where we could have large church buildings and lots of people that are either ungifted or unbelievers can walk in. And so we've become more sensitive to using these kinds of gifts where people definitely are not going to understand. And I get that. 
But if we have small groups or we have settings where it's more and more appropriate, what we want to do is cultivate this gift because there's a blessing in it. We should not be afraid of the gift of tongues or interpretation. And we should press in for the gift of discerning of spirits. So is, this isn't a question as to whether or not you know you have this because like I've told you, the manifestation gifts are the gifts that are given in the situations that we're in. They're situationally given. We want to be trained in these. But the only way that you can get more trained in discerning of spirits is speaking out what you hear or what you're sensing to those that you trust around you. That's how you can start to test your discernment. Secondly, when it comes to the gift of tongues and interpretation, there are times where you feel like you need to do that. And I think there just needs to, if you're not the pastor, you need to ask the pastor if you can or what's appropriate there in order for us to manifest these gifts. Whether you're in a small group, you can start to exercise that. And when you do, you can explain to the people that are part of that gathering what you're doing and how we can then wait on an interpretation. Here's what I say. Put this into the Lord's hands Ask God to manifest it. Step out in these environments where there's something on your heart. Explain it when it happens and just see the blessing of the Lord. I believe that there's a blessing of the Lord attached to every gift when it's manifested. And I believe that we begin to grow in maturity and exercising these gifts so we're able to extract the best of what the Holy Spirit brings as we grow in these gifts, grow in understanding them, grow in exercising them. So we're never going to reach that place that we want to reach where the gift is is being maximized in its ministry toward the church until we get to a place where there's maturity and we've got to go through all of the levels that we're on right now or that are necessary for us to get there. So faith and risk, stepping out, this is absolutely necessary. If this is your first time hearing about the gift of tongues and interpretation and even hearing that there's a different way of looking at the different kinds of tongues, I would just encourage you to continue to research this but also ask God to give this to you. If you don't currently pray in the Spirit and you don't have a prayer language, I'm telling you, God will give this to you. And a lot of times, all you need to do is by faith, just yield to the Holy Spirit and begin to speak out whatever He gives you. He is not going to force you to do this. He will not do that. In your own private time in prayer, just ask the Lord to give you the gift of tongues. Ask Him to give you a prayer language to start with before you ever manifest the gift of tongues because you'll never manifest the gift of tongues unless some random thing happens in another country, until you're praying in a prayer language where God can just cross that over to a prophetic tongue. This is very important. Again, if you're watching this and you do not speak in a prayer language, you do not pray or praise in a prayer language, ask God for it and just step out on syllables. Step out on something simple. It might sound silly and you might say, Ben, somebody told me to do that and I thought it was fake and inauthentic. And my question to you is, what is authentic then? Because you've already predetermined what is authentic. And usually when I ask people that question, authentic to them is where God forces them to do something and they don't participate. And that isn't true. There is always faith. There is always a yielding to the the Holy Spirit in all of the gifts. You're, there's never this certainty. When you have a prophetic word, you may think you're certain, but it's kind of like, is this God? Is this not? There's always this level of uncertainty, but faith is what causes us to step beyond the uncertainty and we minister whatever we think is God. And God will take whatever we put on the table and he'll use that for his glory. And that's why we've got to remember it takes faith to cross the fear thresholds that we often have that hold us back from experiencing more. Don't 
think for a second that if you speak out in some prayer language that you think you're mimicking somebody or it's inauthentic, because what's authentic anyways? Authentic in most of our minds, if we think that way, if we're analytical, we think it's God forcing us to do something. And so we're going to be waiting a very long time for God to force us to pray in tongues. There are very few people that have that testimony where they just bam, blast it off in a prayer language without anybody helping them understand. I'm giving you understanding. Now I encourage you to take a step of faith in your own prayer time. Ask God to give it to you and begin to step out and pray in Jesus' name. And he'll do something in that. Trust me, it's very, very true. Now let me pray for us that God would begin to not only train us, teach us, but also help us to exercise these gifts that we just talked about. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word brings life. Your, your word brings understanding. And when we take our faith and we couple it with your word, the truth of your word, we see great things happen. And so I just pray for everybody that is taking this class, everybody watching this video. Lord, I ask that you would not only minister to them, but you would minister through them. Would you empower us with the gift of discerning of spirits? Help us to see the life source behind the things that are going on in our midst, day in and day out, in church and outside of church, in our job, in our home. Lord, empower us with the gift of discerning of spirits. And I also pray, Lord, for everybody that we would pray in the spirit, we would praise in the spirit, but we would also take steps with the gift of tongues where we could potentially speak out in an unknown language and wait on your interpretation. We ask, Lord, that you would teach us by doing. So I pray for everybody, all of us together, that we would step out by faith and to see you do great things, even in these gifts where it might take a little bit more stretching for some of us, but I pray you'd stretch us far beyond our limitations right now. We thank you for your gifts, and we pray, Lord, that you would teach us, help us to learn and grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next session together. Yeah.